Hey everyone, I'm Chris Carter, host of the Locked On Steelers podcast, also from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, with a bonus episode here from the Locked On Steelers podcast. And I want to just talk about a discussion that we kind of had during the week as far as something that I talked about on Twitter, didn't talk as much about during the show because with the hustle and bustle of the show, sometimes we can't get to stuff. And that's revolving around PFF grades and kind of the back and forth that happened uh, on what grades should be what and how TJ Watt versus Miles Garrett, a lot of conversations there. So if you're interested in that, Hang in there because this is going to be a discussion about that where I go over some numbers and kind of break down what I think fans should really know when we're talking about PFF grades, how to analyze players, et cetera, et cetera. So, again, this is back to the Steelers-Browns Monday night football game. The Steelers win 26-22 to largely because their outside linebackers, their edge rushers, TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith dominated the game. Both scored touchdowns. Alex Highsmith on a pick six. who also He also forced a fumble that resulted in TJ Watt's touchdown. Both got a, got a sack. Both uh, Alex Highsmith had seven tackles. TJ Watt had four tackles, both had uh, six or more pressures, uh, and TJ Watt also batted down a pass. And so they were dominant. They were the main reason the Steelers won the game, uh, even with their other parts of the defense struggling at times. Uh, and that was a huge part of the game. And at the same token, on the other side of the on the other team, you had Miles Garrett, who had a good game, just not as great. He had one tackle, I think three quarterback pressures, you know, solid, but not as dominant as those guys. So after the game, you're thinking probably like I was thinking like, okay, well, those two guys were clearly the best players on the field. But according to PFF, that wasn't the case. And PFF, of course, is Pro Football Focus, a database that goes on and you know analyzes football and gives people grades uh, that uh, about about their uh, about how they performed. And uh, when you looked at, the, at at their grades, you had the Steelers grades: uh, Alex Highsmith, the ninety-one point one, and TJ Watt an eighty-two point six, and then Miles Garrett was a ninety-one point seven, making him the highest graded player in. The, in the game now again i, I want to say this before we get more into this i i like pff as a service like the 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 hard data that they provide coverage coverages like you know how many times a person was targeted and how many times they allowed receptions things like that things that are hard stats that are determined that are easily determinable to uh to a person not as subjective those things are very good that pff serves but the grades often it brings in and implies a lot of subjectivity and I'll explain why in a minute here and to me the grades are probably the worst part of PFF as far as the things that they don't do they don't provide that are uh that are I feel accurate or objective uh, oftentimes when we look at things uh, or at least skewed in a direction that I think takes away from the game of football so I basically tweeted that after the game. Kevin Dotson, former Steeler, uh, addressed addressed it. He said these PFF grades are, are ridiculous, and I agreed. Miles Garrett getting one tackle in this game, and Alex Highsmith, who did all these things, having a lower grade, and even if it's marginally lower, like yeah, sure, it was just 0.6 lower, but like that that'd be like someone getting a 95 on on their test and another person getting a, a, an 80, and you give the person who got an 80 a 96 and saying, oh, it's not that bad. You should you should be fine with that. It was that, that was terrible. As well as T.J. Watt, who received a significantly lower grade. So that was my my whole point about this. Um, and and uh, you know a PFF employee, PFF Sam, came in and you know made made, made a comment despite making one, only one tackle, quoting me with a laughing emoji, thinking that this was uh you know a, a fun a funnier thing. Uh, to to do there and like listen I I get it you know he his insin insinuation was saying all I was saying was like oh only Miles Garrett only made one tackle there's nothing else that he did that was of value to the game that's not what I was saying though and I kind of you know made that clear in my counterpoint you know to him I was like you're issuing the laughing emoji because you're not actually engaging me in any debate here because you know you're wrong because even though you're saying here oh yeah I he had these other pressures here and he did these other things and his 
pass rush win rate. I agree that he did all those things, but none of those trump the guys who actually made the plays that actually won the game and were the biggest moments of the game. And that's, again, where I, I, I kind of think th things get a little bit crazy when we start start a back and forth there. And I think some things get lost in Twitter and online debates. And that's kind of what kind of why I wanted to do this show to talk about this a little bit further so that you, the fans, can have a more reasonable discussion and at least hear out full arguments as far as what each side is saying here so that you can understand what the back and forth actually was. So on PFF Sam's side and PFF side, they're saying that basically uh, the argument is that Miles Garrett was declared by Pro Football Focus to have won 40% of his pass rush reps. And that's where the stat uh, pass, rush, pass rush win percentage comes from and that's you're going to hear that a lot during the show and all that means is for let's say that he rushed the quarterback 10 times 40 percent of four you know four of those times he beat his man he didn't necessarily pressure the quarterback didn't touch the quarterback didn't sack the quarterback but he beat his man in front of him and someone determined that he won that pass rush rep that works for pff so that says that and to be to be fair, a forty percent pass rush win rate is insane. Like that that is, that is like a whoa, and that is very impressive. And even if that is the case, that's awesome. But when but what truly be, should be measured in a game, as far as grades and how a player actually grades out in a game, isn't necessarily plays that you know things that they did that might have been cool to win a certain matchup temporarily that didn't impact the play. It should be the actual plays themselves and the things that were more impactful like the two touchdown scores by the Steelers edge rushers like the turnovers that they that they were part of like the sacks that they actually did get to the quarterback on and the more pressures that they generated throughout the game and look I, I, I do a lot of my homework. I work for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I work for the Lockdown Podcast Network. I work for our local NBC station, WPXI. I do a lot of homework, and PFF is even included in my homework. So I, I know what I'm talking about here. I study the pass rush win rates, and some there's sometimes that I'll admit when I'm out of my element, and I'm like, hey, like, you know, punters, what makes a punter good? I have no idea. Like, when Presley Harvin misses a punt, don't ask me why. It's That's just not my thing. But on this subject, I do know what I'm talking about, and, I'm, and I'll explain you know why I do, I think pass rush win rate it's something to observe and something to account for but it shouldn't be the gospel it shouldn't be the meat of the conversation when we're talking about 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 pass rushes it should be finishing the job and actually winning the play that that is what actually matters so again I know what pass rush win rates are, and that's kind of what PFF Sam was alluding to with his comment that, oh, this guy doesn't know about pass rush win rates but I also know that pass rush win rates are very subjective so again Pro football focus. And what I mean by subjective, I mean that they can be all over the place in how these are actually graded. So let's 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 show you what I'm saying here. So PFF for that game said that Miles Garrett won 40% of his pass rush reps in, in, in this game. You know, cool. He he that that that's awesome. And that's that that's a great number. But if you went to ESPN, ESPN says he won 26% of his pass rushes. And that is a huge discrepancy. We're talking about 14% difference in how and uh, in, in how many pass rushes were won by Miles Garrett in this game. And again, 26% is still dominant. It's great. You know, that, that's, that's, that's awesome and everything. But it's still not more impactful than the plays that were made by the Steelers edge, edge rushers. And again, it's a, sh it's, a show, it's a show of how different these grades can be simply because there's no hard stat 
of pass rush win rate. There's no one in the press box. Like when I'm in the press box and I'm watching a game, you guys are watching it at home and, and looking at it on TV or you're at the game itself. When I'm in the press box, there are people that work for the NFL. They're shouting, they're, they're collaborating with each other. That was a sack. This guy got this guy, this guy got that. And they're confirming and they're determinable things that you can look at on film and say, this guy, TJ Watt sacked Deshaun Watson on this play. Uh, you know, can you pick it through an interception to Grant Delpit? Those types of things. Um, you know, the, so that's that those are what hard stats are. But when you're looking at things like this, ESPN has a whole different person who's makes a judgment call. Oh, I think Miles Garrett won the pass rush rep here or and the same thing goes for PFF. So, again, you're seeing these huge discrepancies between um, uh, b- between Miles Garrett's grade from P or, or pass rush win rate from PFF and from ESPN. But again, let's look at these ESPN rates for another discrepancy that goes in a completely different direction. Jadavian Clowney, who I also have highlighted here, he's a former teammate of Miles Garrett, plays for the Baltimore Ravens. He has a pass rush win rate in, for, in his last game of 26%. Want to see what PFF graded him as, as far as his pass rush win rate for that same game? It was 6.7%. So you're basically talking about a 20% difference in the other direction uh, from that so it's not necessarily that ESPN just is harsher in what they grade as a pass rush win these are just things that are going to be different because based on the evaluator every single time so again this is where I come back to it and I say how valuable is that versus the people who actually get the sacks who actually pressure the quarterback or tip a pass or do something that is determinable like hey this was noticed that this happened and and this was tallied because this is a hard stat there and again that's where i i think is it gets lost in this conversation about analytics about who won what and who did this and every and everything like that um i, I think that sometimes we lose the the, the you know, if we focus too much on those those numbers and analytics we lose the impact of a game and again observe the analytics take them into account but don't make them the gospel the way that pff's grades obviously did by putting a guy who didn't have the hard stats to, to back it up uh compared to two other guys who dominated the game did have the hard stats to back it up and their team won because of the of how they produce the produce those so that's the big thing i want to I, I think the importance is to focus on the players who are actually making plays and i want to talk about more about how this is a bigger conversation for analytics, journalism, and how fans should enjoy the game and enjoy the coverage of the game because that's what I try to do as a journalist and a podcast host and a, and a content producer. I'm here to help educate and entertain and bring things to light and have discussions like these with you all. So I'm going to get to that point in a minute here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. Uh, but first, got to pay some bills. Got to talk to you guys about our sponsors at GameTime.co because this episode is brought to you by GameTime.co. Uh, co. Game time is the number one place to go get uh, to go get tickets right now. Buy tickets for all your favorite events, whether it's sports, music, comedy, theater events near you, and they give you killer uh, killer deals, even on last minute tickets with the best price guarantee that can't be beat. Download the Game Time app today, and when you do, you can even book tickets up to the last minute of the event. If you see it at the last second and you're like, "Oh, I'm free," I, I you know I got off work, you can still get tickets for great prices with exclusive flash deals on all sorts of events at Game Time. And again, download the Game Time app or go to the website gametime.co, and then you can see their best price guarantee, which means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets to the same event in the same section and row for less somewhere else, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase or go to the website GameTime.co. Terms and conditions apply. Create an account and redeem code Locked On NFL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price 
guaranteed. We're also brought to you by Prize Picks, the most fun way that you can have that you can play daily fantasy sports and win up to 25 times your money at the same time. With Prize Picks, all you have to do is pick two to six players and guess more or less on their projected stats, and you can win money right away. Prize Picks is the new fun daily fantasy game that everyone needs to play. Start playing right now. If you're big into fantasy sports, this is a way to get your daily fix by selecting individual player projections and making simple decisions whether trying whether, whether they're going to get more or less than the projection given to you by prize picks. So to understand this, this means you're not playing against thousands of people trying to get the best lineup uh, to win, to win money. All you're saying is, Hey, do I think TJ Watts going to get more than one and a half sacks this game? Do I think George Pickens has score more than half a touchdown in this game? Say more or less, and you can win money from prize picks. So go to prize picks, right now to check things out or download the prize picks app today. They also have weekly promotions like taco Tuesday, where prize picks discounts, select player projections up to 25% so that you can even get even more value when you play prize picks download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com today to sign up and play daily fantasy sports go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nfl and use code locked on nfl for a first deposit match up to 100 go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nfl and use code locked on nfl for a first deposit match up to 100 Back here in the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. I want to continue this discussion here. And now that we've kind of gotten the point out of specifically Monday night football and why T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith were the more impactful players in this game and should have received higher grades from PFF, we can move from that to, I think, a bigger discussion as far as how analytics plays into what we enjoy as far as football coverage and what we consume to understand what we're watching and what's happening and what could happen in, in the future. So. One, it is beneficial to the study of football to be able to see how a player performed, even on plays they didn't ultimately impact. Like, for example, Miles Garrett, what the win pass rush win rate is saying is like, hey, on this play, he didn't get to the quarterback because multitude of reasons. Maybe he was double team, triple team. Maybe he was maybe the pass was just out before he got there because they're trying to avoid him, which we will get to that in a sec. But there is something there to say, like, hey, you know, this, you know, this guy was doing his job on this play, even though he didn't get a stat. So I get analytics like that. But again, you can't let get carried away letting analytics become more important than the game itself. And I think that's what happens a lot of times when PFF starts these discussions and tries to and, and tries to create the, these narratives uh, as as happened af- after this game. And that's what was happening with with analytics. And I think that's something that, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't. All these things don't matter. The Steelers won the game because of those guys over there who changed the game. And you can say, well, th- th- this, that, and a third about what Miles Garrett did or didn't do. He wasn't the game changer. They were. That's what, again what we're getting back to about the grade part. And again, sure, the Steelers' game plan factors into this, right? Kenny Pickett was getting the getting rid of the ball quickly on a lot of passes. They were trying to do their best to avoid Miles Garrett as they normally do. And Deshaun Watson was holding on to the ball a bit more in this game. And that does play a factor in this. So again, quantifying plays that might not show up on a, on a hard stat sheet is, is cool. And that's, and that's important. But again, where PFS flaws I think exist is that not every play has to be a win or a loss. It's not a binary thing. And that's something that I talked about with Alan Saunders of SteelersNow.com. Um, he was, t- we were talking about this uh, at a, during lunch at the Steelers facility this week when we were kind of going over uh, stuff. And it's just like, just having every play have to be a win or a loss is a mistake. There should be also neutral plays or just plays where you acknowledge, Hey, this guy was completely schemed out of the play. He's not, you can't say anything here. And it's not a win or a loss for 
either side. And so I think that's what was happening with Miles Garrett a lot was a lot of his pass rushes. He looked good in how he was starting them, but he was never getting a chance to finish them because the Steelers weren't letting him. And that shouldn't count against him, but it also shouldn't like count for him more than plays that are actually made by the Steelers players who made the actual plays. So again, that's where it comes down to. And I think the majority of people agree who cover the sport, hence why Alex Highsmith is AFC defensive player of the week, as he should be. Um, you know, but again, this goes back to why I don't trust PFF grades to be the gospel. And again, PFF does a lot of things that I take account for and that I appreciate and look at and study and add that to my film analysis and then add that to my overall analysis. But this is where I think that there's a bit of a disconnect is that, you know, sometimes these analytics are treated to to be the gospel and these grades are, are, are taken too seriously. And that leads to, you know, some, you know, animus between uh be- between sides here. And especially a lot of people in Pittsburgh who kind of have grown to expect PFF to do these types of things where Miles Garrett gets greater than TJ, TJ Watt. This all kind of stems back from the 2021 season where TJ Watt set, he tied the all time set sack record of 22 and a half sacks, one defensive player of the year was clearly the most dominant player on defense in the NFL and yet Miles Garrett was given that was was given the highest defensive grade uh, over TJ Watt by Pro Football Focus and a lot of people were like wait that doesn't make any sense why would why would, one guy had significantly more sacks on on less uh, on less pass rush reps like there are that this guy clearly was the more dominant player but you know so that was a thing and it's happened on multiple other occasions uh you know th- throughout TJ Watt and Miles Garrett's career because we're in what year 7 for both of them they came in the year at the same same uh, same year even the same round of the NFL draft and that was huge uh, and so it's kind of been a, a back and forth o- over that time. Um, and it got to the point where like some Steelers fans were uh, even like joke about it. Like uh, a friend of mine uh, who's an attorney and, and a fan of the game, they were uh, they saw the game and, you know, they saw the stats get posted afterwards. And they kind of made this joke that like uh, PFF will grade Miles Garrett higher uh, than both TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. Remember, he gets doubled every play, hash, uh, you know, s- uh, slash sarcasm indicating he was making a joke there. And then he came back afterwards when PFF's grades were dropped and he was like, OK, I was just being sarcastic but how does pff do this he's like i was writing an uh basically an onion article of a tweet and then pff made it reality and, and it's just like it's come to be expected here in pittsburgh because pff consistently does this when in times that it involves the steelers and that's that's a whole other thing and pff doesn't i don't think has an agenda to make the steelers look bad all the time but i think that their analytics sometimes go against things that uh, show the ste- that, that show the Steelers and why that they're good in certain situations or times why, why they're bad. And so, uh, again, uh, you know, I, I look at this PFF is a great tool with the information that it provides it's, and it can be very insightful. But we can't let those analytics come in and be more important than the game itself, especially when it comes to us as, as journalists and people who cover the game uh, when we're looking at these things. I, I also think there is an unnecessary disconnect between what is journalism and what is analysts uh, or or analysis. Um, And and I say this because I used to be an an analyst, like strictly an analyst. That's how I got my start. Right. You know, and, and, Journalists, for those who might be wondering what's the difference here, journalists, when I'm saying journalists, I mean people who are traditional writers who cover NFL teams and other teams as well. They provide the color, the background, they tell the stories of the team they cover, and they include include some analysis as well. But their main thing is they're writing the stories. It's kind of how I cover the University of Pittsburgh's football and basketball teams as well as the other sports. I, I, I do include analysis in my work, but I'm writing the stories there. Whereas analysts, they're they're specifically examining why teams won or lost and breaking down 
elements of the game. And that was how I got my that was how I got my start. You know, over the years, I think journalists have increased more of the analytics being used used in their work, like work from PF, you know, databases like PFF, ESPN, Football Outsiders, Sharp Analytics, as well as even film study. Uh, I, I truly believe that's there's a great potential for future media to blend these even better so that we can have better educational entertain entertaining ways to enjoy the coverage of these games that we enjoy uh, so much in the NFL. And heck, again, this is how I got started. I used to blog about the Steelers and what got me noticed uh, to get to, to start getting you know more opportunities was my film studying. And I didn't have a, a database of information I was able to pull from all the time and say, oh, this is this is what's the best thing here. I would just my dad was a coach. I learned football as a kid. I learned a lot of basics. I read I read a lot of books about football and technique and different f- formations and different things. And over the years, I kind of just I had like a, a, a knack for it and I would like to explain it to people. So I started doing it just for fun as an extra side gig. And then it became more and more. And now it's my full time gig. And so, um, you know, like that, that's how I got myself. And I encourage other people, if that's what you want to do, do it. Break down the game, study the game, you know, you know, talk about it on, on shows, create content about that, even if it's just for fun. It adds to the element here. You never know how far that can go. And I encourage you that, like, if you're work, if you work hard at it, you'll get more, you'll get noticed because the internet provides so many more opportunities to get your work out there than it ever has before, whether it's podcasts, Twitter accounts, Instagram accounts, you know, uh, subtexts, you know, so many services out there that you can get your information out to. Uh, to, to subscribers or just people that you want on the internet to say, hey, this person knows what they're talking about when it comes to football. So if that's something you want to do, go do it. But again, in my efforts to do so, I still want to maintain the journalistic integrity that focuses on the players, on the coaches and what actually happened and make sure that they are still the story, not me, not 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 the the metrics that I provide and and, and bring and bring in. And it's again, provide the metrics, but where I think analytics go too far and some analysts go too far is when their metrics become the story. And it's not that uh, the TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith won the game. They're not the best players in this game. It was this guy over here because of this stat that I'm providing right here. So look at this stat and take and let this take over the understanding of who was the best player on the field in the game. And that's where I think analytics sometimes can go too far. And that's where I think that as journalists, it's kind of our job to kind of balance the things. And again, I think journalism and analytics can very much be a better blend moving forward. I think that there's, you know, kind of a back and forth because journalists traditionally, you know, did you know way back when didn't necessarily have to have analytics. But because it's become a bigger part of the media and become a bigger part of understanding the game, people are starting to incorporate it more. But I really think there's a future where these two things can be married, be better and be something that I think is better blended for better coverage for, about these games so that you, the fans, can get the taste of both the color and the stories as well as the analytics. Uh, that's something that I strive to do in my work. And I hope that people enjoy that about my work. Cause that's what I, that's, that's one of the biggest things I try to bring is I bring the analytics, I bring the journalism, I put them together and I hope it's, it makes for an entertaining product, whether it's written, listened to watched, whatever, that is where the goal should be. And again, in doing all of that, it needs to be about the players. It needs to be about the coaches. It needs to be about the execution. It needs to be about the film. It needs to be about the actual game itself. And if we do that, I think we'll all be happier for it and be better for it when we're talking about football. So all I have to say, I just wanted to bring that discussion more to light and get out more of my actual thoughts in this conversation. So thanks to listening to, to me here. I'm Chris Carter on the, of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and the Locked on Steelers podcast. Check me out on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Read my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette at post-gazette.com and find my shows on like the North Shore 
Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, as well as the Lockdown Steelers podcast. Both can be found on all your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Thanks again for checking out my bonus episode. I'll be back with you here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast uh, Sunday night, late Sunday night, after the Steelers Raiders game. We hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll see you then.